0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus proposed another parable to the crowds, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in the field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds all through the wheat and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, the weeds appeared as well. The slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where have the weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. His slaves said to him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? He replied, No. If you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until harvest. Then, at harvest time, I will say to the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning but gather the wheat into my barn. He proposed another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a person took and sowed in a field. It is the smallest of all the seeds. Yet when full grown, it is the largest of plants. It becomes a large bush and the birds of the sky come and dwell in its branches. He spoke to them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch was leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. He spoke to them only in parables. To fulfill what had been said through the prophet, I will open my mouth in parables. I will announce what has lain hidden from the foundation of the world. Then, dismissing the crowds, he went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He said in reply, He who sows good seed is the Son of Man, the field is the world, the good seed the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Just as weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will collect out of his kingdom all who cause others to sin and all evildoers. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears ought to hear. The Gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, last week we heard Jesus talk about the parable of the sower going out to sow seed and how some of the seed falls on fertile soil, some on the path, some on the rocks, some in the thorns. And it was a chance to reflect on cultivating that soil in our own hearts, removing those rocks or obstacles to the word of God taking root in us. And today our Lord follows that parable up with another agricultural parable. If I would have grown up on a farm, I would be better at this analogy. A bit of cornfield by my house, but I was just afraid of the children of the corn in there. But in this parable, our Lord talks about how the master goes out and sows good seed in his field. And then while he's sleeping, the enemy comes and sows weeds among the wheat. And then when the weed starts to grow, they notice there's weeds in the field. And sort of this question comes, this surprising question of like, how did weeds end up in my field? I didn't plant them. Some wise guy might come around and say, you know, if you build a fence around that field, nothing bad would happen. I was thinking about how many families that I talked to or parents that I talk to when their children are grown or they're looking at their adult children. To kind of say, we did everything right. We did everything we were supposed to do. How did weeds end up in my field? How did weeds end up in my field? And it's a reminder to all of us that 'Cause I was also thinking about like how would you even notice there are weeds in the field because it's like all looks the same from a distance. You know, being vigilant would mean kind of walking that field and being very aware of everything that's going on in that field, which takes more than a fence. Takes more than offense. One of the, I think, most interesting statistics that I've become acquainted with because of working with people who struggle with addiction, and addiction is really just slavery to sin, right? Addiction is just, sometimes we're afraid of that word. We're like, oh, addiction, that means somebody who does heroin and they do all this. Addiction just means that we're enslaved to sin. Right? Recovery from addiction. It just means having a conversion. And, um, but, one of the most interesting statistics is that like 70% of people who struggle with slavery to sin, who struggle with addiction, come from families that are rigid and disengaged. Rigid and disengaged. Like, rigid means that it's sort of, there are rules and rules within that family that you know. As long as we follow the rules, nothing bad will happen. Right? As long as we do everything we're supposed to do, nothing bad will happen. Now, that was a lot like the family I grew up in. You know, there was a specific role that I played within my family, and as long as I remained the family hero and took care of everybody else, nothing bad would happen. Or, as long as we kept the rules like, you know, don't tell anybody that we have problems, always look good on the outside, all those things, like nothing bad will happen. Make sure you go to Mass every Sunday, make sure you say your prayers, nothing bad will happen. Disengaged means that there's, there's a distance in the relationships within the family. And so this happens a lot, and people will say things like, well, I'm from this really good Catholic family. Um, and then a follow-up question might be, like, were your parents really attuned to your life? Did they really know what was going on in your life? Did you feel like you could trust them with anything, and it would be okay? You wouldn't get in trouble? No way, Father. Now, this is what it means to be Disengaged. It's like building a fence around the field, but not really paying attention to what goes on inside because we say, okay, we built our fence, we're good. And the result of that is people who are very good at externally following the rules of the faith, and yet their hearts aren't converted that can only go on for so long. Suzanne Bars has a great talk on, you can find it on Audible, and it's just about people who try to will their way through life, and they last for maybe like 20 years, and then they end up leaving the church because they've never experienced the love of our Lord on a deep level. They've never had a conversion. And so if that weed field is our families, then our Lord also has something to say about what should we do when we notice that there's weeds in our weed field. He says, don't pull them out, but let them grow together until the harvest. Because if we pull out the weed, we might pull out the wheat as well. If we simply focus on the negative behaviors or the breaking of the rules or things like that, we might pull out the weeds or the wheat as well. But rather let them grow together until the harvest. And, and when we read this parable, we shouldn't think that he's saying, like, it's okay that there's weeds in the field or those just, like, those weeds are destined to go to hell because that's what it says at the end. But it has to be read in the context of conversion and the possibility of conversion. Because later he talks about the mustard seed, which is the smallest seed that becomes this large bush, or the the dough, and a little bit of yeast that's added to that dough will leaven the whole batch. And so as we build what is good and what is healthy and what is right, The wheat in the field will take over the weeds. If we really use that analogy in our own hearts, there are parts of our hearts. Our hearts are like a wheat field in which the enemy has sown weeds. And we too have to continually build up what is good in our hearts so that The weeds can be transformed. It's within our own hearts as we encounter our Lord's mercy. It's our Lord's mercy that brings about conversion. It's recognizing that we're loved even in those times when we don't believe we're lovable, or especially in those times when we don't believe we're lovable. that our hearts are converted. It's why we open each Mass asking for our Lord's mercy, remembering the ways in which He has entered into our life to transform us. And that transformation begins with the initiative that He takes in our lives. It doesn't start with pulling the weeds and hoping that then we'll make space for Jesus to come in. It starts with Jesus coming in and being transformed by his love. So we allow more and more of our heart to be occupied by him and it's easier to leave our sinfulness behind. This weekend, we got to celebrate the feast of St. Mary Magdalene again, and her life is an example of that. Pope St. Gregory the Great said that she was the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8, and she found herself in this position where there were many weeds in the field of her heart. And what she encountered was an angry crowd of men who wanted to pull the weeds from her heart. And one person who looked at her and all he saw was the wheat. Who looked at her with love. And as she experienced that look of love, her heart was transformed. Our Lord first took the initiative to enter into her life with love, and then her heart was changed, and then she became his disciple. It's mercy that leads to conversion. And within our own Church, within our families, within our local communities, it's always going to be mercy that leads to conversion. And we are desperately in need of that conversion. One of the most amazing things I think our Lord is doing in our diocese is all of the people who are taking advantage of healing ministries and healing prayer, like. The unbound prayer. And the unbound prayer begins with repentance for our past sins and then a renunciation of all of the sins that we've committed in our life. Forgiveness for all of the sins committed against us. The breaking of soul ties with other people. Renunciation of lies and listening to the Father's blessing. I was talking to Neil Lozano, who wrote the Unbound book one day, and he said to me, Father, why is it that Unbound is so popular in your diocese? Because there's two dioceses where Unbound is really popular and it's growing. And they're Lincoln and Arlington, Virginia. Which is fascinating, because Lincoln and Arlington, Virginia, are most famously conservative and orthodox and have always followed what the church teaches and we never went astray in catechesis or anything like that. But I think that one of the reasons it's so popular is that there are so many people in our communities who have always done what they're supposed to do, but they've never experienced mercy or allowed themselves to experience mercy in its fullness. And so many, many people are experiencing Christ's transforming love for the first time, and then they want to go tell everybody about it. It's our Lord's way of transforming our wheat field and preparing us to be faithful in a time of persecution. And so for our part, we have to be vigilant over the wheat field of our own hearts. For those of you who are parents, you have to be vigilant about the wheat field of your children's hearts, which means more than building a fence. It means walking through that wheat field and finding out what's going on there, being attentive and also being merciful. being a secure base of love. So that our young people know that no matter what they do, you'll always be there for them and love them and help them because you're called to be an image of our Lord's love in the lives of your children. And so today, let us pray for the continued conversion of our our world, of our diocese, of our families, of our own hearts. That we truly may be children of God who shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Heavenly Father.